everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church. So good. Boy, this really looks, this might be like the full house that we've had since March. This is great. Thank you for, uh, for reserving, getting here, being here, and showing up here. And, uh, you know, there no weather to fight today, beautiful day, but uh, it's just awesome to see you here in the house of the Lord, so welcome. Let's just welcome each other in the name of Jesus and those who are online. And I wanted to say just a couple more notes. Um, as Chris shared, you know, We've been walking through this and uh, for about over a year wondering what's going on with, with your body, brother, and, and praying and praying. And um, you wouldn't know this, but as he was leading a lot of the things that we've seen online and worshiped together with, he actually had oxygen right behind the piano and he would go right back on oxygen. And it's been a major struggle. And, um, and just uh, about a week ago, um, got news from doctors that um, of all the unknowns, when you go through a medical thing like that, of all the unknowns, they, they finally said, no, this is it. And we have medicine for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, so just continue to pray for Chris, and I just want to pray for you as you've, as you've shared that with the church. And Lord Jesus, just pour out your grace and mercy on Chris, his family. We thank you that doctors have been able to put a finger on what's going on in his body and can also say, here, put this in there. And uh, Jesus, we pray, you, Lord, healer, that as, as medicine, as different things get going in his body, that your healing power is at work in him by the power of your Holy Spirit, bringing him back to fullness, Lord of strength and health, to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, the church prays. Amen. 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 Bless Give thanks, we say. We're starting a series, Give Thanks, looking at Philippians. I'm going to ask you to turn to Philippians chapter 1, and here's the thing about Give thanks. One time of giving thanks to God when you're in the mess is worth a thousand times of giving thanks to God when everything's going well. Do you know that? We've got to learn to give thanks in all circumstances. Turn to Philippians chapter 1, and as we open the scriptures, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us by your living word. Lord, we could read these words and, and have them be nothing, nothing at all to us. But if you would have mercy on us, if you would send your Holy Spirit, and we can right now hear your living word, the voice of truth, changing us, transforming us, and softening our heart to know your grace. So we pray for that, Jesus. We pray for it. In Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. Amen. Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you 
since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is God's word. Give thanks for grace. Uh, Did you know it took 17 years and five presidents to establish Thanksgiving as a national holiday? That's how long it took. There was a woman named uh, Sarah Josepha Hale. She was a Christian poet and writer, novelist, and... um, and she cared about this idea of Thanksgiving. And, and, and we had Independence Day, we had Washington's birthday, but we had no day, no day as a nation to pause and give thanks to God. So she wrote. She wrote to five presidents. She campaigned for 17 years before Abraham Lincoln was the one who finally decided to declare it a national, and this is what he called it, this is in quotes now, a national, quote, day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. It's not called that anymore, is it? Yeah, but we can call it that. In 1863, that's, what he, that's when that was. 1863. So that was only 240 years after the first Thanksgiving, right? With like the pilgrims and the Puritans and the natives and everything. And, and, uh, and, and then after that, it took a generation after that for Congress to actually enact it. They say things move slow in church, Right? Are you kidding me? But when you believe in something that much, when, you've got, when it's got your heart, when you're after something, you know what? You're going to work for it. Even if it takes more than a minute to make the change happen. And Sarah Hale believed in Thanksgiving. She wanted us to have Thanksgiving so much that she kept going and going and going. She just loved Thanksgiving. I don't know if she loved turkey uh, cram, I don't, football, might have been football motivating her. I don't know what it was, right? No, actually, she, she knew that it would be a gift to her generation and to our nation, generation after generation, to have a day, one day a year, appointed, in season and out, when things are going great, when things are going hard, to learn to give thanks to God. Sarah Hale uh, lost her husband to pneumonia when she was 34 years old. They had already had five kids. She raised those five kids by herself. For the rest of her life, she wore only black in remembrance of of her husband. Sometimes those acquainted with sorrow they know the true value of gratitude. Give thanks. Is there anything you can give thanks for today? Is there anything at all? Even a year like this, a day like this, November 1st, 2020, 
Is there anything that you've got? Can you start a little, maybe start a little list, maybe start a little journal, write a couple of things down. You might just find that gratitude is actually a way forward, a way out, a way up, because God has given us gifts, and we can give God thanks and praise. Amen? Philippians is sometimes called the joy letter. The word joy appears five times, and the verb to rejoice appears nine times. Fourteen times total, this word joy shows up in the letter of Philippians. The joy, joy is the prevailing atmosphere of this letter. But Philippians, the joy letter, was written by Paul and Timothy while Paul was imprisoned in Rome. The joy letter. Verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the salutation. That's how, hey, how you doing? It's us, and we're speaking to you, and I just want to speak over you. Grace and peace from God to you. Now, and it goes on. How does the body of the letter open? That's the salutation. How does the body open? It starts in verse 3. And what, is, what does Paul say? He says, I give thanks. I thank my God every time I remember you. Do you know that Paul opens a few letters that way where he says to people, you know what, every time I think of you, I thank God. I mean, every time I imagine, every time I, I see your face in my mind's eye, I give thanks to God. What's he say? He's saying, you're on my list. Like when I'm trying to come up with a list of stuff that makes me give thanks to God, your face is on that list. Your name is on that list. When I think of you, it causes me to give thanks to God. To God. And then verse 4 In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with what? Joy. What we find in the scriptures is a clear and binding association between gratitude and joy. I give thanks, I pray with joy. I open my heart to gratitude, and my heart is open enough to receive joy. There's an association, you see? Clear and binding. Verse 5, see, in all my prayers I pray with you with joy. Why? Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, and this is the great verse, right? This is the verse you write down on graduation cards if you don't have one, Philippians 1, 6, right? That, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He begins with thanks and moves to joy in prison. What has Paul got to be joyful about? Paul, he writes this letter, we think around 61 AD, and he's writing it, again, as I've said, he's, he's under house arrest in Rome, awaiting trial. His, you know, what does he have to be joyful about? His list, by some measures, it might be kind of short, right? How's the life of Paul going? His, his career as a Pharisee got abruptly cut short, right? A career, by the way, that, that he had put 
the equivalent of multiple PhDs into the education process to get there, cut off. His career in Christian ministry, he had to be a tent maker, working with his hands just to support himself, to keep going. And as he went and he planted these house churches from town to town to town, always at his heels with his group of opponents who had come in right behind him and try to confuse everybody about everything that he taught. You know, none of those churches exploded in his day. And now he's, he's, he's been, what's, what's happened to Paul? He's been, uh, let me get this, arrested, beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, snake bit, thrown in prison, and then sent to Rome. That's his, that's his sort of resume. And here he sits in Rome waiting for one of the most horrid rulers ever to be in power on the face of the, of the globe, a guy named Nero, waiting to see if Nero is going to give him justice in a fair trial. That's where Paul sits. Count your blessings. Count them one by one. Paul's list, by some measures, could be very short. Very short. And he writes from prison the joy letter. How do you react to the bitterness in your life? Every life's got it. Every life has got every life's got joy, it's got sweetness, it's got light, and every life has got this bitterness. How do you react to the bitterness? What do you do with it? How do you get through it? What does it do to you, if, if you're honest? How are you reacting to the bitterness in life? How does Paul find joy from a prison cell? How did he handle the bitterness in his life? Paul says in verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's what? In God's grace with me. It's right for me to feel this way, he says. Now what he's talking about in that sentence, what he's talking about is he's defending his regard for the Philippians. Like, it's, I, I've shown you that I regard you in this way, and now he's saying, I, it's right for me to have you in this type of regard. But there's another level that Paul is, is, is working at here where he's defending the language that he has used so far in this letter. I think you've got to get back into the scene, what's going on here. Paul's, I'm a, I think the Lord's calling me to write a letter to my, our friends in Philippi. Let's get at it. And he starts writing, and he starts using this language, and it's like, it's florid. I mean, he's used these words like, like grace and peace, and, and I thank God, gratitude, joy. He says, I'm confident. I'm confident. He's got confidence, right? What? He's got peace. He's, got, he's, he's using all these words. And it's almost like you can imagine the people around him kind of like, hey, Paul, like, are you all right? You know? Are you connecting the dots? You're waiting to go on trial in front of Nero, your life is a wreck, you know? What, what, what? And Paul says, wait a minute, no, 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 no. It's right for me to speak this way. It's right for me to feel this way. I'm not just blowing sunshine. I'm not just whistling Dixie. I'm not just, I'm not just throwing flowers, you know, at you. 
there is a basis for the positive emotions that I have. There's a foundation for these words that I'm using. There is a ground on which I stand that gives me confidence to speak this way. It's right to speak this way. It's right. How did Paul handle the bitterness in his life? Well, first off, he didn't swallow it. Okay. That's the first temptation. You know, and that's the pitfall of talking about joy in the church because we're church people and we want to do stuff right, you know. So I always want to move to the front of the class. So if Pastor Tim says, be happy, then I want to be happy. So I'm just going to take my, my bad feelings. I'm going to tamp them down really deep inside and I'm going to smile, right? You smile like this? Let me see you do it. I can't see because of the mask, you know. You're like, I'm just going to tamp it down. I'm just going to push it down in deep. I'm going to swallow it. No, God doesn't want you to swallow it. And Paul didn't swallow it and pretend otherwise. In fact, he's pretty open about how hard his life is. In fact, later in this chapter, just a few more verses down, you have Paul disclosing just how hard it is to keep going. As he, as he says in this letter to these friends, you know, sometimes, would you pray for me? Sometimes I actually think about just moving on. Look at, look at verse 23. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. I desire to depart. Sometimes just think about getting out. Which is better by far to be with Christ. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Friends, what's he saying there? He's saying, look, sometimes I think about dying. Hey, that's real. You see? God doesn't want you to swallow the bitterness. Did you know there's a whole family of psalms in here called the Psalms of Lament? And God gave them to us as a gift You know why? So that we could have language, have words to give to God, to send up to God about the pain and the frustration and the hurt of living this life in this world and how badly it feels sometimes. God doesn't want you to swallow the bitterness. He's given you language to express it. So don't swallow it. Now, don't wallow in it either. Don't swallow it. Don't wallow in it. Wallowing in it, that's the temptation of the other direction. That's self-pity. Oswald Chambers said, self-pity is of the devil. And if I wallow in it, I cannot be used by God for his purpose in the world. Self-pity removes God from the throne of our lives, replacing him with our own self-interests. It causes us to open our mouths only to complain. And we simply become... Spiritual sponges, always absorbing, never giving, never, never being satisfied. And, and there is nothing lovely or generous about our lives. Ooh. Oswald Chambers has a way to, of cutting to it, doesn't he? You ever wallow in self-pity? You know, wallowing in our bitterness forms this dark vortex 
of self-pity. I wanted that, and I didn't get it. I expected that. It didn't come my way. I desired to see that, and it was never fulfilled. And on it goes. I wanted, I didn't get. I expected, I didn't. They got it. I didn't get it. And around it spins until it's just sucking you down, sucking you down, sucking you down. Don't swallow it. Don't wallow in it. So what are we going to do? We're going to allow it. See what we did there? You take the S off, swallow. Take the S off, wallow. You take the W off. I'm pretty pleased with that. Is that helpful? <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't get a lot of victories like that. But, <laughs> but I think you might remember that, right? You just take that, take that. Take, no. So you don't swallow it. You don't wallow it. You, you allow it. What do I mean? You allow it before the Lord. Say, Lord, this is what this feels like. You feel it. You have to feel to heal. You have to be genuine. You allow it. Say, Lord, (laughs) this is how it hurts. This is how I'm frustrated. This is how I'm disappointed. This is the longing that's unfulfilled. You allow it to be that in front of the Lord. And you know what else you allow? You allow God to do whatever he wants to do with it. Does God want to... Does God want to change that? You allow him to change it. Does God want to, to lay a healing hand on that wound? Then allow God to do that. You've got to allow the Lord to do whatever he wants to do with your pain. Say, no, no, that's my pain. No, you've got, to, you've got to show it to God and let him do what he will do with it. Maybe he wants to heal it. Maybe he wants to remove it. Maybe he just wants to walk along beside you in it and feel it with you. But you don't swallow it. You don't wallow in it. You allow it. See, verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. In knowledge and depth of insight. He's saying, look, you know what happens when you're true to Jesus? When he's true to you. But you know what happens when you just open your heart, you just allow it? And you just, you are you in front of Jesus. So this is what it looks like. You may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best, what is best, and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. As God's pouring his his spirit through you and the fruit of the spirit is coming up within you, the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Of God. You see, what Paul knew was that the root of joy is a true relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? That's the root of joy. So, see, it goes like this Give me Jesus plus wealth and prosperity and success. Take away Jesus, and I have nothing. Now, give me Jesus. And add to that uh, uh, imprisonment and injustice and frustration. You take away, (laughs) you let me keep Jesus, and I still have everything. I have everything I need because I have Jesus, and he is best, and he's with me in good times and bad times. I have the Lord. Paul's not trying to show us some kind of secret key to unlock the universe 
and, and find joy. God, Paul's trying to show us that Jesus Christ is the key. He is the key. He is the solution. He is what's best. You go through this letter and you say, oh, joy, joy, 14 times. Hey, that's fantastic. Now, how many times, how many times does Paul speak of Jesus? Speaks, he speaks of Jesus 51 times. In 104 verses, the name Jesus or Christ is there 51 times. That means that almost every other verse, you see the name of Jesus. Jesus is the key. Jesus is the solution. The root of joy, the root of gratitude is Jesus Christ himself. And Paul says, no matter what's happening to me, my Lord Jesus is with me. It's his root of joy. Ann Voskamp grew up on a farm in Canada. And one day when she was young, in fact, she was only four years old, her little sister Amy chased a cat out into the road in front of the farm and was hit by a truck and was killed. Ann's mother witnessed the accident. And the family life was ripped to shreds. Um, Dad stopped going to church. Mom fell in and out of uh, psychological health. And Anne herself was cut to the core and could not escape the vortex of anguish and pain and grief. In fact, even after she gave her life to Christ, she was 16 years old, she gave her life to Christ, the pain was still there. Still cut at her. Once on a dare, a friend said to her, Anne, I dare you to write down 1,000 ways that God has been good to you. 1,000 blessings. 1,000 things to be grateful for. I dare you. Well, Anne took the dare. She started writing things down. And at first she thought, yeah, I'm never going to get to a thousand, right? I mean, what's in a life like this, in a world like this? But as she allowed, she allowed big things and small things, she started to gain some momentum. She started making a list. She, she wrote down the things that just touched her as a little gift. She said, I give thanks, Anne said, I give thanks for the red in the, in the sunrise, for the curl of hair on my daughter's head. For the fall colors, I give thanks for the fall colors, for the friendship, for the husband, for the warm biscuits. You like warm biscuits? Yeah, I do too. I give thanks. You see? I give thanks. I give thanks. I give thanks. She started a list. And you know what that list started to do? It started to change the way she looked at her own life. It started to change the way she looked at the world. She was seeing things and thinking, can I give thanks for that? Hmm, you know, can I watch for that? Maybe that's enough that I could add that to the list. I gotta get to a thousand, you know? And so uh, she just started looking, looking with her eyes. What's God doing? What's God bringing? And it started to change her heart as she saw life as a series of tiny and big gifts coming from God, coming her way from God that she could write down and give thanks about. And do you know what it did? It started lifting her head. Out of the pit of despair, out of the vortex of anguish, it started lifting her head, changing her heart, and giving her joy. 
She didn't swallow the pain. She didn't wallow in the pain. She allowed it and allowed God to bring her gifts. She wrote this whole experience down in in a book that she called 1,000 Gifts. The book sold a million copies. That's a thousand thousands. You catch that? That's how God God works, right? Sometimes. You see, sometimes those most acquainted with anguish and pain know the most about gratitude and what it means to find a root of joy. And said, as long as thanks is possible, then joy is always possible. And when is thanks possible? It's always possible. Why? Because God's grace is being poured out over us. And it never stops flowing toward us. He never stops sending his grace toward you. How did Paul speak of joy? How did he claim such things as peace and confidence and hope and joy? How? Because of grace. Remember verse 2. He said, this is how I greet you. Grace and peace from God to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God flows out and it never stops flowing. Never stops. What is is that grace? It's God's loving movement toward you when you are stuck and lost and you can't find your way forward. What is grace? It's God's good favor moving toward you when you see only frustration and pain. What is grace? It's God sending his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die for you when you didn't even think you had a life worth living for. The grace of God, it never changes. It never shifts. Even when we turn our back on him, he's like the sun shining down toward us. Grace. It's the goodness of God and it never fails. So you say, I don't know, Pastor Tim, sounds hokey. I don't want to start a list. I'm not starting a list. 2020, I'm not starting a list. You know? My life, it's all been taken away. The things I wanted, they're all gone. There's nothing. There's nothing on my list. The grace of God is poured out before you. And he brings gifts into your life. He's bringing them even right now. Things that if you would, you could open your heart and say thank you. And say thank you. God has laid out by his grace a ladder that reaches down into the pit of despair. And every one of these rungs on the ladder is a gift from God. And the very first one is his grace. Try it. you might just find it lifts your head. Lord, thank you for your grace pouring out, ever flowing toward us, proven, made known in Jesus Christ, your son. Lord, reach us where we are. Give us confidence to follow you, to give you thanks in the name of Jesus. In his name we pray. Hey. 
Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.